same setting of Scripture in the uh, book of Philippians. We'll be reading out of the second chapter again and starting with the fifth verse to go down to the ninth verse. And well, let's read it all the way through to the eleventh this time, just to finish up here. For let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who subsisting in the form of God thought it not seizure or robbery to be equal to God, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, having become in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, having become obedient until death, even the death of a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those of heaven, of those of earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, Father. Lord, we just ask you now that the reading of your word is so powerful. Lord, it guides our life. Lord, your word is a, it's a lamp. It's a guide in a dark, dark place. Your word illuminates where we should walk. And we just ask you for that anointing right now, Lord. And God, that you would touch it. Touch our lives to hear it in the name of Jesus. Everyone say amen this morning. Amen, amen. We've come to a time, an important time of the preaching of the word of the Lord. I also have one scripture that I want to read before we start and just look at this chapter. This week, would you at some point during the week read this 42nd chapter of Isaiah? It's a a beautiful message describing the coming of the Lord. Isaiah only sees it in part. He prophesies in part. He writes it in part. The 42nd chapter of Isaiah, Behold my servant. And so this whole chapter like is, is a picture of the servant. But down at the 20, uh, let's see, I think I have the wrong verse. Yeah, but just read this chapter, and I've got the I've got the wrong verse there, but but I want you to at some point during the week just look at that, and it will reaffirm this whole idea of him coming as the servant. And then also, I want to go over to First Samuel, and I've got one verse to read out of First Samuel in the fifteenth chapter. First Samuel, the fifteenth chapter. And I know it's in my Bible. I just didn't mark it. All right, we're going to get there. And just there it is. First Samuel, the 15th chapter, and the 22nd verse. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in 
obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. We want to talk about obedience this morning and look at the example of the Lord, this servant, this great, humble, obedient servant of God. And so the path that the Lord chose in life, it was not wrong for him. The scripture makes it clear, and I repeat this again. It wasn't wrong for him to have traveled it in the fashion and form of God. That would not have been something that he should not have attained or something that would have been robbery. But he did something else. He emptied himself. And so while he is in the flesh, he takes on servitude, humbleness, and obedience. And these things, Paul echoes it back to us here in Philippians. These things should be applied to our life. And we spent some time in servitude in the 42nd chapter of of, uh, of Isaiah. And then last week we talked about humbleness. And he did humble himself. And this morning we want to talk about this thing called obedience. Uh, it's another one of those areas that really rubs the flesh wrong. I don't, in my flesh, I don't like to be told what to do. And everybody here kind of, you know, there was an affirmation when everybody went, yeah, right. And, and so obedience is this, it's a word that we need to work on the word and then work on the meaning a little bit and kind of work towards just exactly what it meant in Christ Jesus. The Lord is our great example. Would everybody say yes to that? He's our great example. I'm not the example for the church. I'm an example of a man that's trying to follow the great example. I'm not the example. The Lord, he is the great example. And so this mental resolve that he had. And again, I think we framed that while he was in the wilderness 40 days fasting, I believe, after he was Christed, that let this mind be in you, that was in Christ. And so we, we kind of time frame that in the wilderness. And I believe that's where he was thinking on these things and his mental resolve for his ministry, for his life, for his death. This, that let this mental resolve be in you. And there's something to be said about your mindset and live in a Christian life. Some people can be persuaded pretty easy to come down from what they believe. And we should not as Christians. Can you say amen? We should have a determination resolve of what we believe. And I know that the Lord can change some things in our life. And he's constantly doing that, right? He's, he's constantly making us aware of different issues and things that that we need to work on in our life. But there are some main things in our life that need to be there. And, and our mind has got to be set. We, it's said of the Lord that, that his face was set like a flint. 
And that meant that there was no moving him because of the mental resolve that he had and that he displayed in the earth. Now, I know that if he would have done that as God, that's one thing. But he did not do that as God. He did it as a man. And so as he was, so are we in this present world. Is that okay? Say amen. Isaiah, in, in the 42nd chapter again, and, and here, was, here was the verse. It's the fourth verse. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth. Now we're talking about someone who is totally convinced in his heart and in his mind and in his mindset. He's going to do something. He's going to accomplish it. He will not come down from it because that's what his mental resolve is. And so we see Satan's best attempt to bring him down out of that arena where he has so completely saturated his thought life and made this, this part of who he is and what he will do in wearing this fleshly body in the earth. And Satan comes at him to try and bring him down and distract him from that very thought that has been established in him in the wilderness, Satan comes at the end of his fasting. But the good thing is, is that Satan was 100% unsuccessful. If your resolve is in the Lord, let me tell you, Satan is going to come after you to try and bring you down off of that. The things that you have, the things that are part of your Christian life, the things you know and think and, and have put them into place in your life, this is what the enemy has come to take down out of your life. If he can discourage you in that, he can discourage you in anything. And I've seen it as a pastor. People get discouraged. First of all, they get discouraged in their faith in, in the Lord. They get discouraged in their, in their resolve and they begin to step away and step down and let go. And then pretty soon it's just a flood of the enemy come to destroy and to tear up and take down. But I know this, like Paul said, that I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. And I commit my mind and my mindset unto the Lord that I want to have the mind that was like Christ when he was in this earth. One of those things that he decided, that he, that he situated in his mind, was that he was going to be obedient. Obedient. Obedience. One of God's primary demands of believers is obedience. First of all, you have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And after you have believed and established that God is going to be your Lord, then I believe the next step in succession must be that you become obedient. Obedience is better than praise. Well, I'm going to meddle a little bit already. It's easier to praise than obey. I can come in the house. 
I can get the words on the wall and begin to sing, lift my hands, even some tears come out of my eyes. That's the easy part. Worshiping the Lord is the easy part. Can you say amen? We come in the house, and, and boy, it's a, it, this is the atmosphere in which we praise, and we, we begin to worship, and we just feel good all over because we're just praising the Lord. But there's something that God has set in place that is more important than sacrifice, and that is obedience. Everybody's just about ready to shout because it's one of those sermons that, that just really excites me to know that I can be obedient. But I believe it's one of God's primary demands upon his believers. And then, then, then that verse, I read that verse because it says that, that obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Do you know what the fat of rams was? That was the extra offering. You brought the, the, the fat. You brought the fruits to the Lord. You brought the first fruits to the Lord. You brought the first of your flock. You brought the, the fat uh, represented that which was, was good in that day, was precious to you. And you but, but God says, no, obedience and to hearken. Obedience and hearken. So let's look at this word a little bit. And I was surprised to, to realize that really the Old Testament Hebrew word that is used here uh, in this scripture, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. It's really that word Shema. Well, I thought the Shema was just, man, that's, that's just the title of this thing that says, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It, that's the Shema, right? Well, it doesn't start there. It starts here. It starts with, hear Israel, Shema, Yisrael, Yahweh Elohinu, Yahweh Akkad. That's Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, fourth verse in Hebrew. And that's we call the Shema. But really, the word Shema is not the title for this statement. The word Shema means to hear. It's used hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament, and it means to hear. But it's not alone just to hear. It also means to hearken unto. Now, you can hear a thing and do nothing about it. And you can hear a thing. My kids, anybody that's raised kids knows this. You can tell them a thing, and they'll hear it and say, you can ask them, did you hear me? And they'll nod their head, yes, but then later on, they don't do it. And sometimes they'll say, Dad, you never told me that. They heard it go through their ears. They just didn't, they didn't hearken unto it. And a lot of times what happens to us is the word of the Lord goes out and, and it's Shema for us. We hear it. We hear it over and over. But we just, we never do really take it to heart and we don't hearken to it. But this word Shema is both. You hear it and you hearken to it. You draw it close unto you. And so Mark, the 12th chapter and 29th verse, uh, the interpretation that the Lord gives here. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, as a lot of people have heard that, but not so many that have taken it to heart or hearkened unto that. Because they have a lot of different things, a lot of different lords, a lot of different stuff, a lot of religious stuff. But I like to go back to that old Deuteronomy 6.4. I love the Shema Yisrael. 
Yahweh Elohinu, Yahweh Akkad, and they would say over and over, Akkad, 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 because he is just one God. Can you say amen this morning? He's not many gods with many different ideas and thoughts. He's just one purposeful God that does things just exactly in his pattern and purpose, and we see this in Christ Jesus. We see him as being just that one central thought of what he's going to do and how he's going to structure that and how he's going to purpose that and what a strong strong man and what a strong leader for his church amen see it's not enough to hear you have to hearken unto the words of the Lord so the Greek will come around with this same idea of Shema and the Greek word is hupaku it's a compound word it means to hear a coup, but yet in front of it is hoop. Hoop basically means under. So it's a person that's hearing, but they're under someone else. And so you could look at that as being an order or a command, but really it's more like a servant. A servant hears and hearkens to his master. He will hear what the master has for him that day, whatever it is, whatever chore, whatever thing needs to be done. And we don't know much about servants anymore, but uh, we have paid servants, that we have house servants that, are, that, that, that we still call servants. And we tell them what we want done. And we expect that as we've paid them to do a certain job, that they will do it exactly the way that we told them to do it. And that is to hearken to it, just to hear it under as a servant. But listen, this word doesn't mean generally in speaking. Is, is that you, what you do is everyone that has a command for you, you become obedient to it. Not generally speaking, no way. Just like Jesus Yeshua was not humble to everything. And when we looked at that last week, it didn't mean, though he humbled himself, he's humble to everything. He's not humble to everything. He's not humble to everybody. And he's a servant, but he's not everyone's servant. And I think we've had a wrong view of that with the Lord. We've looked at him as being just a He's a servant, so he's just everyone's servant. No, he is not everyone's servant. And now he is obedient, but he's not obedient to everybody. There is a purposeful mindset in him that he is going to be obedient, but not just to everybody. Listen to John 14, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words which I speak to you, I do not speak from myself. But the one Father, the one who abides in me, the self-same one does the work. And so when we see Jesus as a man, we don't see him just commenting as a man, just acting as a man, just being a servant as a man and two men. We see him being obedient and humble to a certain thing. And that is the cause to which he has been called. His father which abides in him, the progenitor, the one who made him, the one who formed that body in Mary's womb, whom 
birthed him into Bethlehem in the manger and he grew and he came to a place of ministry and now he's going to be obedient, but he's going to be obedient to a certain thing. And I'm going to say something this morning that probably is, is going to mess with some people because sometimes we get some ideas and there's a lot of people saying a lot of things out there and some of them aren't really scriptural and so Jesus was not necessarily obedient. Number one, he was not obedient to the government. And so I said, I've got to walk pretty softly here. I don't know if they've got me tuned in this morning. Big brothers got us tuned in or not. We're so small, I really doubt it. You know, if we're a church of, of 5,000 people, then they've got us tuned in. Well, you're not going to get a church of 5,000 people preaching the truth. You're going to have to compromise. Jesus does not obey the government. Now, I want to say that in a sense of he's not necessarily against government, but he's not necessarily for following the edicts of government. He's not obedient to religious leaders. See, the religious right that goes on in this country, Jesus would have nothing to do with that. You have to be religiously right and politically right and, and, and get all right. I don't know who's measuring that, but I think the devil's measuring that. But the Lord was not religiously right. Another thing that he didn't necessarily obey was the Jewish customs and family orders. At 30 years old, he left them high and dry. I don't know if Joseph was still alive or not. That's kind of debated. We don't know whether he was still in the picture or not. And somebody's got to take care of mama and the brothers and the sisters. And here goes Jesus wandering off into ministry somewhere and not supporting them. And that's just not the Jewish way and the Jewish custom. But he's only under the direction of his progenitor father. And that kind of upsets some people because they want to see him as this sort of general lovey-dovey Santa Claus type character that's just out there doing and going and loving and caring just for everybody all the time, everywhere. That is not the truth. He does exactly what his father impresses him to do and nothing more. We were going down the road the other day, and because we have done this, I think we have a right to say, okay, this church has done this, and, I, and a song comes on there, and it says, and I looked over at Kay, and I said, I, I don't really believe that. It said, if Jesus was here, he would be feeding the homeless. Now, now, now I want to take this carefully, okay? We have fed the homeless. Can you say amen? That's a good thought, but Jesus was there. And he said, the poor you have with you always. And I don't find one record of him feeding the homeless. He fed the 5,000 who came out to hear him preach. But he did not go into Jerusalem and set up a stand and say, I'm going to feed all the homeless now. So what we think about Jesus, kind of these ideas that we have about him, he did exactly 
what the inspiration of Father inside of him was inspiring him and instructing him and telling him to do and nothing more. So I want to touch on something here real quick. If we look at obedience and how we are to be obedient and have the same mind as Christ, then who or what are we to obey? Just general obedience? That we just fall in line, whatever anybody says? We just need to obey, just have this obeying about us? Or are we to obey the same spirit that dwelled in Christ Jesus dwells in you and he will quicken your mortal body? Is that where we need to obey? There's a lot of churches, just heard them recently. They come out and say you need to obey the laws of the land. Well, that would be good if Jesus did exactly that, but he did not. He purposely defiled their laws at times to show them that that law was not godly. And and so this idea that all Christians, we need to just fall in line and obey all the laws that are out there. And I want to tell you this, being in the building sector, we realize they are passing laws every day in Sacramento. I don't know if you understand that or not. They have been elected to go to Sacramento and sit there and pass laws. And they're going to do it. We've elected people to go to our Congress of the United States and pass laws, and they are going to do it. Now, those laws may be good. Some of them may be good. Some of them may be helpful. Some of them may not be helpful. But there are religious organizations. There are churches that are saying right now, today, that God says that you need to obey the laws of the land. We got an uh-oh right there. At what point are we obedient? At what point is obedience part of what we should be? And I, and I would say, yes, the Lord is obedient. But it's a directed obedience. There are churches that are saying right now, and I'm not throwing darts at anybody here who has been vaccinated. That's your choice. But there are churches that are saying right now, it is God's will for everybody to line up and be vaccinated. Because it's the law of the land, and God said, do the laws of the land. Well, that's all good and fine, but I have to tell you this. If they tried to to line Jesus up to vaccinate him, he wouldn't take it. You're not going to force him to do something like that. But people that feel good about it, and, and I have absolutely no problem with that. That's completely up to you. But it is not God's will that everybody line up and do what the government says to do. Governments are all over the world. Governments have all kinds of edicts all over the world. In most of the world, Christianity is outlawed, and you cannot get together. And then the Lord says, you should not forsake the assembling of yourself together. And so we run into this thing with man's laws and God's laws, and what do we obey? We are to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles stood in a... Amen. 
The apostles stood in the face of the Sanhedrin, remember, in the hall of hewn stone, and they told them, you will not speak this name any longer. And immediately they said to them, we will speak this name, and we will speak it according to as God causes us to preach and teach. And they did. You see, God never expects people to be blindly obedient. You're never blindly obedient. And I want to break that down this morning. There's there's too much of that. There's too much of it going on in the church. God's preachers are not little dictators. God's preachers are not men that manipulate people and try and make them do things. And and somebody said of me just recently, he's making this church. I'm not making anybody do anything that you don't want to do. I'm not here for that purpose. I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to encourage you that Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. You need to obey. You need to obey him first in your life. So this, this idea of blind obedience, I don't think that comes from the Lord at all. Let me, let me put one of these things that, that I don't know much about tweeting and that, but this would work really good. Obedience is not godly unless it's godly. Don't get the two confused. Oh, there's a lot of civil laws. There are a lot of people that believe that we need to just do all the civil stuff. But obedience isn't godly unless it's godly. We're not servants of earthly governments. We're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where laws and dictates and mandates, where they cross the law of God, we are not bound to do them. So, Pastor, that kind of preaching could get you in trouble. It, that, you know, that's, that's not good. Boy, I tell you what, there's people out there that are looking for preachers that will stand up and say, listen, God's mandate is first in your life. There is priority in your life. It doesn't matter who says what. God's word is established first. God's word is foundational in my life. I will follow. I decree my life to follow the word of God before anything else. So where laws and decrees come in conflict with God's laws, you are not bound. I'm going to set you free this morning. You're not bound. Well, I'm a United States citizen, so I'm bound. Well, time out right there. I'm a citizen of another kingdom before I'm ever a citizen of the United States of America. And I love America, and I believe our laws and and what we have done are good for the most part. And I'm not trying to cause rebellion here this morning. What I'm trying to get you to see is there's an obedience that needs to take place in our life that precedents everything else, and this is the mind of the Lord. He's going to obey the heavenly 
dictates, the heavenly Father, the heavenly things, not just the earthly things of men. And sometimes I know those conflict, and we are in them, right in the middle of them, right now. There's stuff coming out of government all over this country, not just here in California, but everywhere in this country, not just in this country, but all over the world. It's happening, and I want to tell you this morning, let me just say in advance, that it's going to settle in. And when it settles in, it ultimately is going to come against the kingdom of God. That's where it's going. The devil would never make a law that would advance the kingdom of God. So him and his people are never going to create laws that are going to work good for the church. Just a thought. Just something to keep in your head out there. Obeying the laws of men is not spiritual. I've got to let this drop because we got too many people in this church that used to be Baptist. And that's one of their teachings. Is that if you're going to please God, you must obey the laws of the land. That's pleasing unto God. Doing the laws of the land is not pleasing to God at all. He cares nothing about the laws of the land. Nothing at all. He cares about his law. Like I said, if we were just, if the gospel just had to do with American people, it just had to do with this country, but all over the world, laws and mandates have come down against the church. They've gone out to arrest them. They've gone out to annihilate them. I would say this morning that lining up with those laws is not pleasing to God. Doing the laws of men, well, I go 71 miles an hour, and I'm just not going to go 70 because that's the law, 70, and I don't like going 70 because I obey the law. Well, that's not the attitude we're trying to develop here, but it's not a sin to go 71 miles an hour. And God's looking down there, looking at that speedometer. Time you get to church, you're on the way to church, you're going to repent when you get to church. You went 71. And you rode your motorcycle down there and you didn't have a helmet on. You need to repent. What kind of a Christian are you? Smiley likes to preach that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a different gospel. God's not pleased with your waiting till the light goes so you can cross the sidewalk. He's not even looking. And we get so confused with that. Just like, wow, I'm condemned. I'm, I've been condemned about those kind of things too. I know you have too. Just really condemned. I'm going to tell you what the, what the prize is for that, what the reward is. So you're going 80 miles an hour, and you get Katie. Oh, oops. You, you get um, this light that shows up, and he pulls you over, and he gives you a reward. That's all it is. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. They're mad at you. God didn't make that law. They did. 
See, there's a difference between God's laws and man's laws. Now, if you don't want tickets, don't go fast. And, uh, you know, but, but I, I just don't see how we're weighing into a spiritual thing in the flesh. And that's what we've done. We just, we just confuse everything and, and, and lump it all together. And we've got things that aren't spiritual. We make them spiritual. And things that are spiritual, we make them not spiritual. That's just the human way. That's how we see things. But, but obeying the laws of men is not spiritual. So just take a breath and think about that for a second. Wow, I've never heard that before. All I've heard is preachers preach, you need to obey the laws of the land. This is the will of God for your life. We're coming to a time when the laws that are being passed on the people are not going to allow us assembly. They're not going to allow us free worship. They're not going to allow some oaky preacher like me to get up take a microphone and talk to people about these issues. They're not going to allow it. You're going to conform to their law system. Well, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get a jump on that this morning. There's a law that's higher than any law of any land, and that is the law of God in our heart. Can you say amen? They can take the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom but all they've done is they've taken it out where you can't see it. God's command is still in place. God's righteousness is still in place no matter what they do, how they treat it. Peter said in Acts, the fifth chapter, and the 29th verse, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, Obeying God has priority over obeying men. And as much as lies within us, I do want to live peaceably. I do want to have uh, times with our families and, and be able to do all the things that we're allowed to do right now to come to you. And so for that reason, we try not to offend the laws of men. I don't necessarily want to go out and offend their laws. There's a result of it. They carry the sword. And so I don't want to, you know... I, the brother who, who was teaching about evolution and, and he just detests, um, what did he get arrested for? What's his name? Ken Hovind. He, he didn't want his taxes to go to abortion. So he quit paying taxes. Well, I agree with him 100%. But he ended up in jail. But I still agree with him. He's right. He's right. I don't want any of my tax money going to abortion. I don't, I don't want to see that happen. But to stay out of jail, I'm going to pay taxes anyway. So maybe for the greater, but the law of God would certainly conflict with the laws of men there. Can you say amen? Now, I, I want to talk about a couple of obeys for us in uh, one of them is found in Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 17th verse. If you could just bring that up, Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 17th verse. And I just want to say how King James um, interpreted this. Might be a little bit different than how the Greek the scripture really interprets this. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, 
for that is unprofitable for you. Now, and, and preachers have taken this to a level, and maybe it's because they've never really kind of studied where this goes about obedience in the church. And, and um, I talked to a certain person that said they didn't do exactly what the pastor said, and then the pastor went back to the Old Testament and said that, that disobedience was as witchcraft. And so they got accused of witchcraft. I think we're getting a, a, a little bit ahead of God in this. Really, let me read it to you how the Greek renders it. Instead of obey, it says this. Be persuaded of those leading you and submit, for they watch over your souls. Never are we to obey men blindly. There's a lot of charlatans out there. Way more charlatans than real men that preach the gospel. And to align with them and to obey them is not the pleasure of God. Well, just obey somebody. No, no, no. No, we obey the right thing. And that's why you need to be persuaded about who you are coupling yourself up with. And once you decide, and that's why there are churches everywhere, and everybody can choose, and everybody, once you decide that the men or the ministry that you're around and that you're following with, that they are God messengers, that they are preaching this gospel, then you submit yourself to that teaching, not to the man's mandates. Not that I get up here and try and tell people what to do. We've got this wrong idea about that. It's about coupling together, being a part of it, being a part of ministry, aiding the ministry, assisting the ministry, coming in fullness with the ministry so that we may all grow into the purpose of a godly church. Can you say amen? We're not to obey men blindly, but neither, listen, but neither are we to resist godly leadership and input into our life. So even though I would say this morning that King James, that that word isn't really even hupaku there. It's a different word, and it doesn't mean exactly to obey. It does mean to get on board. And I love this about a church. If you're going to go to a church, get on board. If you're going to go to a church, become part of the church. If you're going to go to the church, become part of the ministry. If you're going to go to the church, listen to the ministry and hear Shema, what God has to say through the voice of the ministry. Can everybody say amen? That wasn't everybody, but it was a good part of you. See, the gospel has this code of honor in it. And Pastor Rodney, he touches on this occasionally. But there's a code of honor in the church and in the gospel. If you do not honor the ministers of Christ, you are a dishonorable person. Honor those that bring the word. Double honor. Not double obedience. Not double manipulation. Not double standing up in front of the church telling everybody what they're going to do. 
But bringing the word of God. Honor such people. Because they're there to watch over souls. They're not there to run your home. They're there to watch over souls. And so this honor that's mixed into disobedience or into obedience, you can't separate honor from obedience. If a man does not openly practice honor, forget the scripture that says, wife, obey your husband. I gave up on that one years ago. (laughs) But I've tried to show her honor, something to honor. And if I can honor, then she can see honor in my life. If I can display honor like the Lord displayed honor where honor was due, if I can display honor, then my wife has a visual of what honor looks like. And because I can display honor, she can honor me. And if I can honor her as a weaker vessel, and though she's not as strong as I am, and and though she can't climb a ladder like I can climb and build a house like I can climb, she can do some things that I cannot do. And she is the weaker of the two vessels. But if I honor her, then I have showed her what honor is about in the home. And if I don't honor her, then I'm acting like that I can honor God without honor. How can you love God if you don't love men who are in the image of God? And so if you can't honor men, you can't honor God. Well, that's a good one. Let's just praise the Lord right there with a little. Watch this, watch this. If you do not teach your children to honor by example, you teach them to dishonor. It's sad that in the church, I'd like to keep everybody that ever comes to church. I'd like to keep all of our kids, all of our youth. But sometimes they haven't seen examples that they needed. Sometimes, you know, there's other reasons too, but... But there is this thing said about honor, and it's in the home. If the parents don't show honor, if the parents don't honor God and honor his ministers and honor the church and honor each other, believe me, when the little ones grow up, they're not going to honor either. It's a taught behavior to our children. If you don't honor and don't honor God's things, don't honor him, don't honor ministry, don't honor the church, don't honor the wife, don't honor the husband, don't expect children to obey the parents. Because it all comes together. It's all part of it. It's all the honor. And when we honor, then I believe that children also can understand about honoring mom and dad. Well, I'll just beat them into submission. Well, good luck. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you need to buy a lot of belts. And when you're done, they will have learned absolutely nothing. Except that you're a tyrant. I can't tell you how many people that I've heard say that my dad was a preacher and he just beat the fire out of us. They want nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with the church. Because there was no honor in the way they conducted theirself. I'll just beat that kid until he comes into order. He's going to come into order. It's like little Johnny. 
Little Johnny was running around. We got a little, lot of little Johnnies here. Little Johnny, sit down, Johnny. He doesn't sit down. And I told you to sit down. And little Johnny knows that he doesn't have any honor from mom and dad, but he knows that if he doesn't sit down, he's going to get the, the, the fire beat out of him. So he sits down, but on his way sitting down, he said, I'm going to sit down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And I just wonder how many of us are doing that. Oh, Lord, yeah, I'm going to obey your word. I sure don't want to, though. Because we haven't set honor and obedience in the thoughts and process of our life. Know this, God's not mocked whatsoever a man sows that he's going to reap. If you sow honor and obedience, you're going to reap honor and obedience. Come on, say amen. And so the Lord knows this. Let me finish with this. We're going to get done a little early this morning. That, that's great. The mindset of obedience is trickled down. Does everybody know what trickle down? And this kind of this term became popular. I think it was one of the presidents. I think it was Ronald Reagan, I think. I don't remember. Trickle down economics. Remember that? And really what it means, it starts at one place, and you get that right, and it goes to another place, and it just keeps trickling down, and it keeps making the system right. Well, obedience is trickle down. See, you start at the top. If you don't get your obedience right with the Lord, it'll never trickle down anywhere else in your life. If you don't get your honor system right in the Lord and His things and His, and His church and His people and the body and the ministry and all that stuff, it will never trickle down to anywhere else in your life. Because it starts with Him. Can you say Amen. No wonder the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And when you get that part figured out, then all these things shall be added unto you. And so I'm going to fix all the things in my family, but I'm not fixing my honor in the house of God. You will never fix your family. Can't happen. Well, I'm going to fix this other stuff in my life, but... It, but really, I can't, you know, I can't go up that far. No, you, we get it right with God first. We, we honor Him and love Him. This is why the first, the Shema, the first commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your might and your strength and your mind and your soul. And if you can love Him with all of that, believe me, there is a strong trickle down that's going to happen in your life. You're going to see areas in your life come under submission and be fixed in your life. You're going to see stuff that you didn't think it happened, it's going to start to happen in your life when you get the first and foremost in your life right and you get obedience to God right and you get your heart right before Him. It begins there, from there, from there. It begins to trickle down. And now I can see the church right and now I can see God's ministers, right? I can see the leader's spiritual things in my life, right? I, I now begin to see it trickle down now to my family order. And I begin to see God working inside my home. 
and God beginning to put honor in my home and it began to function right and and there there be honor where honor is supposed to be due in the home and then then it begins to go from there and it goes down then to civil authority civil authority isn't at the top civil authority is down here if you're right with God then you try to be right with those around you and civil authority and then it goes from there goes down to your employer and you treat your employer right and you treat him with respect and you treat him with honor because it just exudes from your life your mindset says that I'm going to do the honorable right and obedient thing in my life and then so we look at it from there and somebody said that's a Christian man that's a Christian woman not just because they worked hard. Not just because they did the right thing on the job. But they started way up here with the right thing in their life. And God began to move it from there into other places of your life. And what you sowed there, you're going to begin to reap here and here and here and here. See, this is the mind that the Lord says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. A servant's heart, humble to the cause, obedient to the word of the Lord. If you can get those things coupled up in your mind, and then there comes times that we say, God, Brother Aaron mentions this sometimes, renewing of our mind. Renewing it to what? Bringing it right back up where it should be. Sometimes we get lazy as Christians. Can you say amen? And so I don't want to think that I'm just preaching to benches this morning. That's why I asked for an amen. Is that sometimes we get lazy and we kind of let the mind slip a little bit and we don't. There comes a renewing of the mind. What is the renewing of the mind? It brings us right back up where the mind of the Lord should be exhibited in us. How many honestly would say this morning, I think I fail at that sometimes. I, I kind of slip into my mind. So we just say, God, renew us this morning. I want to be renewed. Well, I, I want that. I want to be a servant before the Lord. Can you say amen? I want him to look at me. What, what is it that is well done, thou good and faithful what? Servant. I want to be humble under the mighty hand of God. I'm not going to humble myself to the devil. I'm not humbling myself to the will of men. But I want to be humble under the hand of God. I want to be obedient. I'm not going to do what they tell me to do if it conflicts with my righteous heart of God. I'm not doing it. But I do want to have a sense of obedience to the Lord and as much to others as doesn't conflict with my heart in the Lord. Can you say amen? And that's where we're going, Christian people. God, renew our minds. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you. Sister Debbie and, and, and Brother Tom, would you come up and uh, musicians? And uh, we're just going to sing something in closing here. 
But I want to do this. I want to challenge us just real quick. Sometimes when the Word of God comes out, we initially, initially it kind of, you know, can move us a little. And then as we, by the time we go to lunch, and I've had Chinese food or whatever it is we're going to eat, we sort of, you know, it, it, you can just feel it kind of just easing down in our life. But I would say this morning, let the Lord just challenge you with this. And I want everybody in this church to say, Lord, renew my mind. Is that all right? Does everybody agree with that? God, renew my mind. Because I need the mind like your mind. Oh, it's not easy. And that's why it has to be renewed. Because it leaks out sometimes. You know, we get, we're men. We're women. we got situations and troubles and problems and, and stuff going on. But God, renew my mind how it should be. And so let's just lift our hand to the Lord right now. Jesus, we ask you for a renewing. We ask you for a refreshing. If Paul would say by inspiration of the Spirit of God, let this mind be in you, then we need to let that this morning. We need a renewed heart, a renewed mind, so we see things the way that you saw them while you walked on this earth. And Lord, we pray for every man and woman and child in this building this morning, God, that we just let you, God, that we would take that personal mandate in our life to say, God, let my mind be like your mind, Lord. And we'll thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. Can everybody say amen? Let's just give the Lord a thank you praise.